Welcome to the Real Estate Masters Podcast, a podcast with top real estate agents sharing insights of how they've grown their business. Every guest is unique and serves different markets, so you will find value in each and every episode. And now our host, executive coach, April Mack. Welcome to the Real Estate Masters Podcast. Today is episode number seven, and I am so thankful to have you listening to our interviews, for subscribing, and for sharing with your fellow realtors. You've just been an encouragement to me already, and I really appreciate all the great feedback. Please don't forget to subscribe. Listen to every episode because I just truly believe there's some great wisdom, some nuggets for you in each and every episode. Today, I am interviewing Rob Levy. He is in Portland, Oregon, and has built an amazing business, so many awards, and I'll put so much of that in the show notes, but you are going to learn so much from this man that has been in the business for 32 years, and we really fly through this interview, but there is so much wisdom that he's going to share with you about investing for your future, working with a team or working solo. He's done both and done them beautifully, and one of the things I found so interesting is he still does, works in two separate markets, his home in Portland, Oregon, their secondary home in Palm Springs, California, and he's built a great business in both locations. So listen intently, get a paper and a pen, or just go back and listen to it a second time because you're going to get something from this interview. I guarantee you. Um, We'll also put in the show notes some of the books that he mentions. And of course, he really promotes listening to podcasts like ours. So we thank you for your support. I'm going to get right to it. Here's my interview with Rob Levy. Well, Rob, thank you so much for being with me on our Real Estate Masters podcast. So why don't you introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about you? Uh, Sure. Yeah. Thanks, April. My name's Rob Levy, and I'm with the Rob Levy Real Estate Team in Portland, Oregon. Um, I've been in the business for almost 32 years, uh, about 25 years with Prudential Real Estate and about six plus years with uh, Keller Williams Real Estate. Kind of a natural for the business because I moved a lot. I I grew up as a kid. Uh, I moved. I went to 24 different schools in in four different countries, and I had to learn how to make friends. And so I think that's one of the things that's enabled me to be a fairly successful realtor is the ability to walk in a room and pretty much just talk to anybody and not feel intimidated by it. Wow. Um, I have been at one point I was Prudential's top realtor in the Pacific Northwest region for seven years. I've been, I think right now I'm number two in our office of 330 agents with Keller Williams. And I work with my daughter-in-law slowly moving the business over to her. And it's really just the two of us. Uh, So I deal mostly with past clients, but a lot of my business, about 34% of my business is working with investment properties. And by that, I don't mean commercial buildings. I'm talking about like fourplexes are smaller and mostly single family homes as rentals. And I'd love to Mm -hmm. somewhere in this broadcast talk about how we do that and how I own a lot of rentals myself out of my retirement account, a self-directed retirement account, which is an amazing thing for realtors. Oh, wow. Well, I, yes, I look forward to you telling us all about that. And, you know, Rob, when you and I initially talked, we talked about the fact you have been in business for 32 years and I know there have been so many changes over that amount of time. And I love the fact, though, that you've come on. You know, we've recently had guests 24 years old, 26 years old. They're brand new to the business, relatively speaking, to you being in for 32 years. And they've already, you know, the ones that we've had on have built a great business and are very successful. And yet then we have this contrast of you that have been in the business for 32 years. And I know 
that you've had to see so many changes over this time. Do you think you could summarize and say there's one thing maybe that's really aided to your success? That would be technology. And, Hmm. you know, it's interesting you talk about change because you're sitting at your house in Texas and I'm sitting at my house in Portland, Oregon, and technology is enabling us to do that. And COVID is forcing us to sit at our houses. And so we are, I mean, I'm an office guy and here I am sitting on my couch talking to you right now. And so I think the key word there is adapting. I've always believed, and I've told all my kids this, and my wife agrees, that you know, life is about what happens on the way to your destination, mm. you know, not necessarily the destination. And you exactly. just adapt. And so for the younger guys, yeah, I mean, I can tell the war stories that you expect <laughs> me to say of, gee, I remember when we got a fax machine, which is true. Yes. But you know, <laughs> if, if they're going to be in the business 32 years, they're going to see a significant amount of changes, just like I did and, and you have along the way. Yeah, absolutely. I remember, and I got into real estate very young. I got a license when I was 18, but I remember going to a Remax event for broker owners and hearing about the internet for the first time. And they're talking about surfing and the web. And I'm like, what? I mean, I had no, and I can remember going back and telling my husband, they're talking about this this thing with surfing. It's just so unbelievable. But yet how things have changed from buyer's you know, now doing all the research and they know everything that's on the market, sometimes better than I think an agent does because they've done so much research. And so it's just that things have really changed a lot. And I don't know, I mean, for you to have been in the business for 32 years, was there a turning point? Where have, were you successful from the very beginning? I mean, how did, what did that look like? That's a really good question. And and the answer was, yes, I was successful, but then I hit a plateau. And, and you and I talked about this in kind of the pre-interview where I ended up going to a Howard Britton Star Power Conference and realizing that, hey, there's nothing different between those people and me. You know, we put our pants on the same way every day. There's no reason I can't be like them. And I strived to basically walk in the footsteps of those that had gone before me rather than trying to reinvent the wheel. And that was a massive change for me. And my business took off from there. And at one point, I had a large team with 12 people, and we can talk more about that later if you want, because there's reasons for it and there's reasons not for it. But that was the, the biggest change in my business, was realizing that I'm not in this alone. Mm, yeah. And so were there some things specifically that you changed when you were in that pl- plateau, and then you were at this conference, and you decided that you could be successful, just like these people that you're listening to? Was there something particular that you went back and did differently? Uh, leverage. Um, I had three small boys a year apart in age, and um, and you know my wife basically we, we sat down and she quit her job and decided that she was going to look after the kids, take care of the house, and keep me teed up. Mm-hmm. And so that was the first step. The second step was hiring an assistant because to use today's pay rate of say fifteen twenty dollars an hour, it doesn't make sense for me to be doing fifteen twenty dollar an hour work when I can have somebody else do that. And then the next step, of course, as as you become more productive and more successful is um, getting a buyer's agent because that's the one that takes the most amount of time. And the final step that I think the majority of realtors miss is we strive to do such an incredibly good job for our clients, but we don't take particularly good care of ourselves. I'm sure you know as well as I do many realtors that are in huge amounts of trouble with the IRS with tax liens and stuff like that. But we've got to take what we know and turn that into helping ourselves to be successful, to have a wonderful retirement. And I know in my case, my wife and I have done a great job of setting that up. And a lot of realtor friends of mine that I know have done the same thing, but there are a lot that haven't. Mm, 
Yes, there's a couple of things. And I really do want to spend a lot of time talking about that. But there are a couple of things that that I really kind of want you to just share a little bit about. One would be you mentioned working with a team or working more solo. And do you want to talk a little bit about that? And, and what what do you feel like the advantages and disadvantages? I guess you've done it both ways. Well, that's, that's a really good point. So basically, I'll, I'll be, be honest to the world here. Um, you know, like I said, I built my team up slowly and felt like did a really good job. And I was very proud of being, you know, the, for seven years in a row, the top credential agent in all the Pacific Northwest region and just cranking away. And then I had a, a, a health issue. And mm-hmm. that kind of wakes you up. And actually, first my wife had a health issue, then I had a health issue. And thought, okay, this is crazy. There's more to life than just working all the time and kind of changed our plans and thought, Tom Ferry, when he had wrote a book called Life by Design, and I read that book, and I thought, okay, what's my design life that I want it to be? And I thought, well, I'm not ready to retire right now as we're speaking. I'm, I'm 62, but I'm not ready to retire because I love what I do, and I feel a responsibility to my clients. So I thought, let's kind of change things up a little bit. And the changing up for me was actually setting up, going on vacation one week a month. And we bought a vacation home on the Oregon coast and a vacation home in Palm Springs area. Then I got my license down there. So to circle back to this specific question that you asked, and the reason I added in that little story is because I went from a solo agent to a small team to what would be called these days, I think, a mega team, and then back down to a solo agent with, I guess, what's now a business partner, which is my daughter-in-law, who I'm gearing up to take it over. And the interesting thing is about profitability. Uh, Basically, I'm taking as much money home now as I did when I had 12 people on my team. Wow. And that's the thing that really grabs me. But I think what I did, and I'm not saying I did it right, but for me it worked right, is by building from the solo to the small team to the large team, I built up the client base. And Mm -hmm. once you start taking care of the clients, the clients start taking care of you. So I don't need to generate all this new business because, well, for the most part, we can talk more about how long people stay in houses now and things like that. But you know, for the most part, I live off my past client. Right. And are you doing something specifically where you're staying in touch with them? Or do you feel like that just is something very natural? I'm doing a little bit of everything. I, I, I have lived by and I try to stick by what I call my 333, which is three phone calls, three emails, and three note cards a day to past clients. But I also do a lot of other things. I, I mail a postcard every month. Yeah, I know, old technology postcard. Mm-hmm. Um, I also use Constant Contact and send out a newsletter. And in the newsletter, I've got a video, and I do two videos a month on YouTube and post those videos, paste the link to YouTube into Facebook, and then paste the link to YouTube into Constant Contact and send those out as a part of the eblast. And then I also am a big believer in sending things that, to excuse the pun, stick around a while, like magnets. Mm-hmm. Um, normally I send football schedules and things like that, but obviously this year it's a bit of a mess up cause we don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> right. But like telled on calendars, I've, I've used those for I think almost 30 years and I love them because your name isn't at the bottom, it's in the middle. So they can't cut your name off. <laughs> and I believe my cost is like a buck 75 each. I mean, what a great thing. It sits around for 13 months cause you mail them in November right. and your name's right there the whole time and people use them. Right. Love that. So you're just, you're doing on purpose things that really don't cost a lot of money to stay in your face in front of your name in front of your past clients. And I I love that. So do you feel like you're getting a really high return on repeat business of those past clients? Well, I do. And I'm glad you asked that question again, because it leads into the next statement about it. So the answer is I do and I always have, but that's changing. And where I'm going with that is when I got in the business and when you probably opened your first Remax store, you know, people sold their houses every five to seven years and now it's 10 to 12 years. 
Mm. And who knows how COVID is actually going to change that. So right. theoretically speaking, you just lost half your business. Exactly. I mean, I know that that's not really true because those people refer you to other people and stuff like that. The second part of the story is, is um, yeah, I kind of watched the numbers. I'm actually the director of the MLS in, in Portland, Oregon, and Vancouver, Washington. And which, by the way, like we can talk about giving back anytime you want, but I think that's hugely important in our industry. But I see the numbers. And I know when I became a realtor, there were about 1,500 realtors in the Portland metropolitan area. And now there's almost 10,000. Wow. So we're constantly running into situations where some past client that I've done five transactions with calls and says, Rob, I'm so sorry, but yeah, my wife's a realtor. My wife's best friend. My daughter just got her license. My, my son-in-law's the realtor. So I haven't done the exact math and I can't back this up with science, but I'm going to say that if you just leave your business alone and don't do a darn thing, that you're going to lose somewhere between 10 and 20% of it per year. So you've got to replace that. And that's either got to be by getting referrals some from those people before they find a new relative, or it's got to be chasing after new business off of the internet or old fashioned open houses and stuff like that. Mm, yeah, so true. Well, and you know your stuff. And so I love that because you know, really what, you know, the numbers and you know what works. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about is the fact that you you said you bought this home in Palm Springs and you've got a license there. So you're now, do I understand correctly, you're working in two separate markets? That's correct. For seven years now, yeah. So what does that look like? Well, right now it doesn't look like anything because I can't get on a plane and get there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So pre-COVID. Tell us pre-COVID what that looked like. Well, the story is a good one. And I think it could apply to anybody in the northern two-thirds of the United States is that um, yeah, I live in a beautiful place, Portland, Oregon. If you haven't been here, please come and visit. It's absolutely stunning, but it's kind of dreary in the wintertime around here. We, we don't get anywhere near the rain that anybody thinks we do. This isn't Seattle. I mean, I think you mentioned at one point you're in Atlanta, and Atlanta gets one and a half times the rain we get. But we get it on a lot of drizzly days for sometimes two weeks, three weeks at a time in the winter. And so we have a lot of people that buy second homes in areas like Phoenix, Arizona, Palm Springs, California, Mesa, you know, places, Tucson, places like that. Mm-hmm. So one year, about 10 years ago, I sent down seven referrals to a realtor friend of mine in Palm Springs of people buying second homes. And I went to my CPA and I said, hey, CPA, I said, can I actually go down with these people and make sure that they're getting a really good job with their realtor? And can I write that trip off? And he's like, yeah, if you're actually helping them out, but it would be better if you got your license, because then you can say that you actually are working there. And so I did. And I hung my license with a, another Keller Williams office on a friend of mine's team. And business just took off. I started publicizing the fact that I was working down there and all these people came out of the woodwork and all my realtor friends in Portland. I mean, just right now, right before I got on the call, I just got a little text from somebody. I can repeat it right here. Someone in our office is looking for a Palm Springs agent. I gave him your name. Mm. So I get that constantly. So the business kind of took off. So then it was a question of managing it because I've always believed and I think I don't mean to I try not to promote any one company here because I try to be neutral, but I will promote people that write good books. And Gary Keller wrote a really good book called The One Thing. And he said in there that your brain is not like a computer at Windows. You can't multitask and do all these things at the same time. If I'm talking to you, I really can't be emailing or I'm going to do a crappy job of both things. And the same thing applies with that Palm Springs business. So I kind of had to leverage myself and say, okay, once I got cranking, I merged myself with my friend's team and they kind of handled the majority of this stuff. But it works out fantastically. I was able to buy a beautiful house down there with stunning views. And my wife and I go down and we spend a week a month down there in season, like October through May. And um, yeah, it works really well. It's, it's complicated staying up with the, with the, with the hours because it's different requirements in both states. Mm, 
Yeah, that makes sense. But it sounds like it's been very valuable to you and you get to enjoy being in that part of the world. I love Palm Springs. Personally, I have uh, family out there and it is a lovely place to be and especially in the winter. So summer, not so much, I'm sure. <laughs> it gets pretty no, it was, hot. It was 123 degrees there yesterday. Set an all-time wow. record. So yeah. Unbelievable, yes. But it is a beautiful place. So, you know, created that and work. Is that, is that kind of a goal? Will you retire there, you think? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, we have three, three kids and two grandkids and two of them are in Portland and one's in Texas. And, um, yeah, I don't know that we're the type that will ever spend five months there, but what we're trying to do right now is spending a week a month. And I think it's probably very realistic. We'll spend a second week a month down there. My wife's still actively working. She's around my age and she owns an art gallery and she's not ready to hang it up. But when she is, we probably will spend more time down there. That's nice. I love it. So let's get into, um, you did mention just giving back. So, and I, I love that. And I love that so many of the realtors, obviously that I'm interviewing on this podcast are willing to give back and share so much of how they've built a successful business. And that right there is a way of giving back because you could just hold all this knowledge and wisdom to yourself and not be willing to share it. But you mentioned giving back. So what are some of the ways that you do give back? Well, the biggest thing I think people can do is is give back to the NARPAC, the National Association of Realtors Political Action Committee. You know, there are a lot of us realtors out there. What is it, like one point something million? And when we get together as a group, we can do amazing things. The recent legislation that passed uh, regarding, like there's states in this country where two gay people can't buy a house together and, you know, crazy things like that. And that legislation that just passed to correct that, that had a lot to do with the Association of Realtors. Um, I was at a meeting several months ago before we couldn't travel anymore with the state senators in Washington, D.C., which is a nice six and a half hour flight from me. But, um, yeah, we were talking about the fact of changing this $10,000 tax write-off, which for some states, like Oregon, where we do have a state income tax, but we don't have a car tax or a sales tax. Well, the state income tax you know, on top of property taxes is well over that $10,000 limit. So NAR is trying to push through, trying to make that $24,000 for married couples and be adjusted so it can go up every year. So that's just one example of the millions of things that they do. And so I would encourage every realtor out there, to, even if you can only give 100 bucks or something, I mean, that would be a massive help. And the second thing is your time. You know, get involved in some committees on your association of realtors or the MLS or whatever the case may be. And like you said, giving back, that can be just doing presentations at your office to other agents on how to properly do a CMA. Mm. And I also believe that whenever you do all that sort of stuff, you learn more than you actually give. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. I believe in giving and I believe in giving back. And I believe that we're blessed when we give and it always returns to us in some way or another. And so I appreciate you sharing that. So tell us about this mentioned your investment properties and how you've really worked to have a good retirement through investment properties. And I think that's a little bit of your passion. And so give us it all. Tell us, uh, share your wisdom with us. Well, it all started years ago when we were trading on a rental in a 1031 exchange, which I'm sure most realtors know about, and bought a duplex and took my wife out to see the duplex. And she said, oh my God, I'd never lived there. I said, well, the whole idea of owning that is so we never have to live there. Right. And But I said, this thing's going to pay for our boys' college. Well, sure enough, that one particular duplex, we sold all those years later, which our boys are a year apart, and they, it paid for 15 years worth of, of kids' college for all three of our boys. So, you know, there's no question that owning rental properties is a tremendous thing to do. And we as realtors, we've got some tremendous benefits. For instance, 
there's, if you Google the, the word realtor rule, that's not the technical name for it, but that's what it kind of goes by on the internet. The IRS has a rule that anybody that spends, I believe it's 750 hours a year in the real estate business, so that would be realtors or contractors, can actually write off losses on rental properties against earned income. So theoretically speaking, and by the way, whatever I'm saying, I'm not a CPA, I should say that, you need to verify this with your CPA. So theoretically speaking, if you make $100,000 a year, but you're losing $10,000 on a particular rental property because you have it on an aggressive mortgage, like a 15-year mortgage, so you're doing that by design to get it paid off early, that $10,000 loss comes off your income, so now you're only paying tax on $90,000 a year. So that's the first thing that's incredibly important. We have that advantage. Our clients don't. I mean, if this mm. is a non-realtor buying that, owning that same rent, rental property with that same loss, they can't write that off, but we can. So that's the first thing. And of course, the second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh thing, which is all equally important, is we're realtors. We know where to buy, where not to buy. We know where to get a deal. We, we can you know, do something on the commission if we see something we want to buy and an unlisted home, things like that. So we've got tremendous advantages. But I think what you're referring to is the self-directed retirement accounts, correct? Yeah. Okay. So what that is, is really interesting. So most Americans have a retirement account and it could be with Prudential or Charles Schwab or whatever. And you've got, I don't care, let's say you've got $100,000 in there. You know, that money, your Charles Schwab guy is just investing it and taking it into this fund and out of that fund and into this stock and out of that stock. And generally speaking, I, I think I read someplace that, you know, you can pretty much count on, on average, 7% per year increase in funds. And that's fantastic. And I'm not saying to pull money out of there. I believe in keeping it equally spread around to cover your bases. But since 1974, what most people don't realize is that you can have something called a self-directed retirement account. And the one that I use and where you can get a ton of education is called the N-Trust Group with an E, so N-Trust. And I believe the website is T-H-E for the, the N-TrustGroup.com. And what they are is an an accommodator, I forget what the word is, intermediary, whatever it is, that actually hangs onto your money just like Charles Schwab would. But the difference being, and it's a little more complicated than this because you have to do things like set up LLCs, fund the LLC from the retirement account, have the LLC own a bank account and write the checks from that bank account. But basically, theoretically speaking, I could take, let's say that I find a house for $100,000, which you certainly can't in my market, but I'm using that as a number because it works. But you find a house for $100,000 and you write a check from your retirement account and buy the house cash, which by the way, you can leverage it. And if I forget to talk about that, please remind me. But it needs $100,000 to be fixed up and you can sell it for three hundred dollars if you do. So you write a second $100,000 check from your retirement account and you to the contractor and you fix the house up. So now you're in at 200000 bucks, and now you sell the house for 300000 bucks. That $100,000 in profit goes back into your retirement account and it's either tax deferred if it's a regular retirement account or if it's a Roth, you never pay tax on it. Wow. So if you think about that, if you did that in real life, that's short-term capital gains if it's in less than a year outside of your retirement account. So that's regular income. So you're looking, if you've got a state tax of 10% and a federal of 25, that's 35% tax. So it's a tremendous program. And I own a lot of rentals in mine and all of the rents come in every month and the rent just goes straight into that account. And it's not even reported to the IRS because it's inside a retirement account. And there's just no issues. It's called a self-directed retirement plan. Um, I said I'd talk about leverage. You can. There's actually multiple options that you can do. Again, verify this with your CPA or go to a site like the Entrust Group and buy some of their books that explain that. But you can borrow in most states. For some reason, Florida, you can't. It's more. But in most states with 30% down, you can do a non-recourse loan. 
So that means that I could buy, again, using that elusive $100,000 property, I could buy a house for 100 grand, put 30,000 in it from my retirement account and borrow 70 with non-recourse. So if I default, they just take the house, that's all they get. They don't, mm. they can't come after me personally. And Florida, it's 40% down. So you can do that. Or, but Rob, I don't really have enough money in my retirement account. Well, you could buy, let's say you're buying a $200,000 property and you've got 100 in your retirement account. The retirement account, so a retirement account by Rob Levy for benefit of account number one, two, three, four, five, six, could buy $100,000 or 50% of the property. And Robert Levy, the person, could buy 50% of the property. Then when you go to sell it, the person pays tax on only half and the other half goes back to the retirement account. So it's a wonderful way to build up equity and buy more rentals and borrow against the ones that are in there and buy even more rentals and do flips and all sorts of stuff. Wow. That's amazing and such good information. And I've not had anyone talk about those kind of things before. So, and, and you're right how important it is someone that's in real estate to not just be making money to pay the bills and pay taxes, but be putting away and planning for retirement. And what a wonderful way to do that. Have you had um, property managers that help you? I mean, my experience with rental properties in the past have been some um, good experiences and some just yeah. a nightmare, but a uh, great statement. Cause like everything good, when you get a cookie, you gain weight, you know, when you're using a retirement account, there are specific things you have to do. There's no self-dealing whatsoever. So I can't, if I can't buy a vacation home out of the retirement account and then go stay in it, my kids can't, my wife can't. And hmm. also you can't self-manage and you can't pay yourself a commission. Oh. You really need to study up on it. So you have yeah. to have a manager manage them. Um, I've had some good experiences and bad experiences just like you. My other properties, I manage myself, the ones that are outside of the retirement account. So, you know, again, we're in the business, right? So we know the questions to ask. Right. Yeah. Great. And so how are you handling this, just this transition of uh, your daughter-in-law's in the business and you're wanting to work for her to take it over at some point in time. And so how much of this is she taking over and, and handling of the business? And how much are you still doing at this point? Well, it started out, there's, there's good news and there's good news here. It started out getting her involved about three years ago, and then she became pregnant with our first grandchild. And then <laughs> she became pregnant with our second grandchild. <laughs> so she's kind of worked a lot from home and acted more as an assistant and um, just doing paperwork and then, you know, showing the odd house and working with people that she was referred to. But as right. this conversation goes, we're actually rolling now into the next phase where she's going to actually start taking it over. And I've talked to many other realtor friends around the country about how to do this. And, and, and by the way, this is an important conversation because we've, in my case, I've spent 32 years building up this business. It exactly. kicks off a lot of money. And most of the realtors you talk to are in the same boat. Don't just walk away from it. There's value there. If you don't have, you know, immediate family to take it over. Like I went to my boys and they've all got wonderful careers and they're like, no, you know, we're not interested. Well, my daughter-in-law was. So find somebody, whether it be a relative or not, that you can, you know, slowly build into the business. And the goal would be it's, her name is Katie, is it's, you know, it's big Rob, little Katie, and then bigger Katie, smaller Rob, and then Katie and Rob, and then, you know, and then big Katie, little Rob. And then over time, she just kind of takes it all over. Sure. But it's a matter of getting all of my clients to know who she is. And we're, we're kind of at that, we're probably 20% of the way through that right now. Yeah. And but, I think it's like, so 
Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like I said, it, I know too many agents that are unbelievable agents. And it's funny because several of them that, that are that I, now that I think about it didn't have kids. And they just kind of let their business slowly die. And that seems so silly because you can have somebody else take it over. Even if you just say, if I said, hey, April, come take over my business in Portland. And I'll give, you know, you, you give me 25% for the next couple of years and 15% for two years after that. Yeah, I mean, that, I could live, you'd, you'd be glad to do that because it's still a fantastic income and I could right. live happily for an additional four years of income. Exactly. No, I agree. And, you know, we talked about where this whole idea came from of me starting this podcast because of the cassette tapes that I used to listen to and loved it when I met you by way of telephone and discovered that you were one of those guests on one of those cassette tapes so many years ago and knew exactly what I was talking about. But I learned from listening to one of those so many years ago, but listening to agents talk about how they were building a business that they could sell to someone else and that there is value there if you handle that business properly. And of course, there are some agents that just get into this and it's just a hobby in a sense, but for so many, it is truly their business and their career. And they've invested so much of their time and building that client base. And they do have something of value and how important it is if it's taken care of, that it is something that you can pass on to another family member or to, to at some point sell, as you're saying. And I mean, and that could be set up in different ways, but absolutely. And how sad for somebody to have built such a big business and then just to let it kind of slowly fade, as you say, and people get tired, and I understand that, but you know, you've got something of value. And if you continue to care for it and take care of it, you can pass that on. So such an important, an important thought. Yeah, and all and it's so simple to do. All you have to do is take care of your clients and they'll take care of you. It's just mm -hmm. that simple. And what does take care mean? It means be an information resource. I mean, one of my clients called me this morning, they need a new roof. Thank you so much for calling me. I'm happy to to help you. You know, it's the fact that they called me, I'm just honored, but it means they remembered me. So I'm doing my job. You know, exactly. Let me know and how the roof goes. In you. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know how the roof goes. Well, now they're going to contact me again and let me know how the roof goes or I'll call them in three weeks or whatever. And that's when you ask for a referral. Yeah. I really appreciate you thinking of me on this roof. By the way, do you know anybody thinking of buying or selling a house? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's just that simple. And for the younger right. folks on the call that you'd mentioned at the beginning of the call, yeah, this is this is not just a business, it's a career. And and if you just treat it right, it can be wonderful to you. Yes, absolutely. So is there anything else that you're doing prospecting wise other you mentioned the three three three. Is there anything else that you're doing? Um, there's a lot of things that I've tried. I've I've tried some of the online lead generation systems. Um, they work and they work really well. And I'm not going to knock any one of them. But you kind of have to figure out if it's for you. For instance, sure. I figured out using one of them. Um, it was very expensive, and I was spending around about $3,500 a month. And I figured out, okay, for every 100 leads that came in, we were actually selling one house, which is about normal, I guess. And when I do the math of my average sales price in the Portland area for me is about $550,000. But when I do the math, if I was doing that, like, let's say, with a buyer's agent or, in my case, my, my business partner, Katie, doing it, where she'd get 50% on those, the 50% that was left covered all those expenses, and I wasn't making any money. Mm -hmm. And so for that reason, when you look at other online companies like Zillow or something where you can advertise on there, I don't know that all of those are actually worth it. I think if you just pick up the phone and call your past clients, if you've got past clients, it's right. tremendous. But if you don't have past clients, it's just a matter of just helping people and being having a Howard Brenton used to say that you referred to as cassettes, you know, servant mentality. 
And so yes. open houses. I mean, I got started. I was doing six open houses a weekend. I do one for two hours, take a half hour break, go to the next one for two hours, take a half hour break, do the next one. And, you know, if you do your job right, you obviously there's duds, there open houses. But for the most part, if you do six open houses in a weekend, you're going to walk away with one or two pretty darn good leads. Right. And then it's right. a matter of trying to you know, work with them as buyers, list their houses, whatever. I've always been strategic about open houses. And I don't really want the least expensive houses because they don't have anything to sell. And I don't want the super expensive houses, which is what a lot of agents fly to because the commissions are bigger, because most of the people that come through already have realtors. But mm -hmm. for instance, in the Portland metropolitan area, our average sales price is 454000 By the way, everybody should know their, their averages. That's hugely important. Right. Um, so I want, if I'm going to do an open house, I want to list a $454,000 house because there's a really good chance somebody's going to be selling a, say, $350,000 house to buy that. And that house is where the market, whether the market's good or the market's bad, those are the ones that sell, you know, kind of the under the average price ones. Right. And so I'm going to get a listing and a sale out of the deal. And they're going to refer right. me to their friends and so on and so on. Yes. So do you still do open houses? I don't do that many. Right now with COVID, I've only, we just opened up recently and I did one. And honestly, I didn't feel like comfortable based on the health issue I had a couple of years ago. Sure. So I'm not doing them right now. And honestly, I don't need to do them right now. I'm, I'm just living sure. off of my, my class clients. But yeah, for the younger folks and stuff, I think it's a combination of doing everything. And that's one big part of it. Mm -hmm. This is still you, a people business, April, at the, at the end of the day. Yeah, it absolutely is. And one of the things that I think that you've mentioned and is so important are knowing your numbers and numbers don't lie. And it is so important. You know, I think about when I was first in the business and I didn't know my numbers and there was a lot of lost money because of the things that I didn't know. But it is so important. I shouldn't say I didn't know my numbers, but I didn't I couldn't nail down some things. How many leads are you going to get from an open house? How many phone calls? How many for sale by owners are you going to call before you're going to have a lead and you're going to have a listing? And, you know, mm. I think those those numbers don't lie. And it's really important to know those things. And if you just do it, you know, know the mm -hmm. numbers, they don't lie. And then you just do it. You have to do what you know to do to make business. And it's not that one person is necessarily favored over another. I mean, I think everybody's got different gifts and talents, but the numbers don't lie. And mm -hmm. if you work it, if you'll do it. And I had a past interview at a lovely Andrea Bloom from Toronto, and she's a top realtor there. And she said, I know my numbers and the numbers don't lie. And she said, and I don't care to share any of my tips because I know everyone's not going to do it. And, you know, they're not going to put the hard work in. And mm -hmm. so what would you say to a young agent? What would be some of your advice that you would give somebody newer to the business? I should say not necessarily young in age, but new to the business. Um, listen to as many of these sorts of calls as you possibly can and follow in the footsteps of those that go before you. You know, don't try yeah. and reinvent the wheel. I mean, guys, women like Andrea that you just talked about, I don't know her, but clearly she's been very successful. So why try and do something different? Do what Andrea's doing. Do what Rob's doing. All the other yeah. people you and so many others have done. And even, you know, you keep, you and I have referred several times to Howard Brenton because, I mean, this, this man was a major mentor in my life and, you know, rest his soul. Yes. But, and I, did, um, I never met it, but such an influence on me because of the material that I purchased from him, the subscription to those cassette tapes that came in the mail right. every month, and, you know, just had to make, and this podcast exists because of that and truly. So I'm very indebted. Yeah. So you mentioned the word cassette and obviously they went to CDs and then they went to online. But at the end of the day, if you picked up some of the first cassettes he ever recorded, which were probably 30 years ago with guys like I have a couple of my good friends of mine, like Sam Miller in Ohio, 90 
percent of what they say on those cassettes still apply. You know, it's still Absolutely. at the end of the day, it's an eyeball to eyeball, belly to belly business. Yeah. You know, yes. So, yeah, I would say that. And the funny story of the company I first started working with actually became Prudential. And it was a large company with multiple offices all over Portland. And the managers, and I think we had like 23 offices, and the managers were hiring agents. And then the agents had to go and take a two-week class over at our corporate headquarters. And when they'd walk in the front door, and they'd, there's a receptionist desk there, and all the main floor was the corporate offices, and all of the upstairs was the training offices. And the agents would walk in, these brand new agents, feeling pretty good about themselves. They'd just pass the test and they'd walk in the door and they'd walk up the stairs for two weeks in a row and go to all these classes. And then the owner of the company, his name was Bert, still a good friend of mine, and uh, Bert would ask the receptionist at the front door and say, okay, who's going to make it and who's not? And she was always right. And mm. what it proves is it's not about what the manager necessarily thinks. And it's not about how good you are with your tests and everything else, but it proves how do you treat the receptionist at the front door? <laughs> you know, that's the thing that's going to tell you how well you're going to be as a realtor. And there's so many little things where you can carry that to the next step. For instance, I mentioned I fly up and down to Palm Springs a lot. And we talked earlier that we both like to travel a ton. I will always place myself in an aisle seat and I travel enough. I'm a top tier with Alaska Airlines and there's three nonstops a day in the season to Palm Springs. So I generally get upgraded to at least premier class or business class, or not business, first class. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll always try and put myself in an aisle seat. And the reason for that, particularly in the first class or premier class, is that whoever's sitting there is probably flying down to their vacation home down there. And when they have to get up to go to the bathroom, because somebody always does at some point during the flight, they've got to say, excuse me, going in and excuse me, coming back. And I've got to get up and move. And it's a perfect opportunity to start into a conversation. So are you from Palm Springs? You're going down there? Yeah, I got a home down. Where is it? Where do you live in Portland? And before you know it, you picked up a client. And you're never going to do that sitting in the window seat. <laughs> That's so true. It's just the little things like that that just make all the difference in the world. Yes. Yes. And it's it's prospecting in a new way. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Do you feel like there's anything you would just say that you wish you'd have done differently in this 32 years of being in real estate? Yeah, I wish I hadn't wasted the first six or eight years trying to do this all on my own without figuring out how to copy what other people are doing. Hmm. Wow. And again, you know, attend all the conferences you can. I mean, whether you work for Remax or, you know, Keller Williams or an independent, it doesn't matter. There's all sorts of conferences within your company. There's great organizations like one I belong to called CRS. Probably um, the CRS, I think it's called our, they changed the name of it, but it's Certified Residential Specialist. And they have a conference, mm -hmm. at least they used to every year, they're not this year. And, you know, just get to know other people in different markets. So my, my thing then was getting to know I forget what city you're in. I think you said you're in Dallas. Is that correct? Oh, actually, I'm in Ohio. I'm in Northeast Ohio. That's Ohio. right. Yeah. So if you're in, let's say, Cleveland, yeah. and you're in a big office in Cleveland, and I got to know you, and somebody sent out an email amongst your office saying, hey, I need an agent in Portland, Oregon. Who do you recommend? You'd probably jump in and say, hey, Rob Levy, just because right. I got to know you. So it's a right. matter of getting to know other agents in different markets. Put them on your email list. Put them on your annual calendar list, stuff like that. And so if you don't belong to a large national firm, then there's the National Association of Realtors, the CRS, there's your state association of realtors. But get out there and take the classes and learn from others and watch what others are doing and just replicate it or change it. And you know, I speak at conferences around the country. And one of the first things that I say is, look, don't sit here in this audience. And I know you're going to do this because I've done it saying, oh, that won't work in my market. Say, how can I make this work in my market? 
what I'm doing isn't necessarily going to work in your market, but you can take my idea and you can take April's idea. You can combine the two ideas together and come up with a better idea than either one of us had and make right. it work in your market. Absolutely. And just do it. Yeah, you just do it. I was thinking this morning, I don't know why, but I had a client, uh, his name, Jeff Stalnaker, and he was, I got him because he was a for sale by owner and I worked for sale by owners. I mean, that was, you know, I felt like that was one thing that I could do, um, if nothing else, is work for sale by owners. And I really, truly believed that it was so important to have listings. Uh, learned that from listening to Howard's cassette tapes of, you know, yeah. if you didn't have listings, you weren't in business. And Listings so, equals leverage. Absolutely. And so I worked the for sale by owners, but Jeff Stalnecker, he was a, an accountant and he, I sold him two or three houses over many years and just uh, a great client. And I picked him up because of calling for sale by owners. And I believe you just do it. You, you just work and it's not going to always come easy. There's times that it does, but, and then there are those discouraging days that, you know, you get a phone call and a few deals all at once went bad and fell through, but that happened too. And, you know, but you just got to, you got to keep going and keep working it. And it's so encouraging to hear of someone as yourself that's had a 32 year career of great success, now working in two markets, beginning that transition period to your daughter-in-law and still having that income that will come. You've worked smart and it's just, I can't tell you how much I appreciate some of the things that you've shared. Any, you've mentioned a few books and I've wrote them down and we'll put them in our notes of the podcast, but any particular books you would just say, you've got to read this book? So two books that Gary Keller wrote come to mind just because I've read them multiple times. And one is The One Thing. And it's really not just real estate. It's really about life in general and how you just you need to concentrate on the one thing and perfect it. Mm -hmm. And the other one is The Millionaire Real Estate Agent by Gary Keller also. And that was a book where I wasn't even with Keller Williams back then. And, and by the way, I'm not one of those Keller Williams guys that's always trumping the company. It's a wonderful place to work. I live in a, I work in a great office but I don't use a lot of the tools that they've got. But that one book really kind of lays out the blueprint on how to build your business. You'd asked earlier in the conversation, what would you recommend to a newer agent? And I'd have to say, get out and do the stuff that you just talked about, like try calling Fizzboats. You were good at it. I sucked at it. But, you know, find what you're comfortable with and then read that's a book right. like that and say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm good with this business. How do yeah. I take it to the next level? And that's one of the many several books that you'll find. But I right. think you'll get more information by going on your morning walks or driving to your appointment and listening to things like your podcasts and yeah. some of the other podcasts and just listening to what other agents are doing. And, and, you know, I'm looking at the timer on the screen here and we're 44 minutes into this. For many agents that are listening to this call, it's probably only one minute worth of information that they're really saying, oh, yeah, I could do that or I'll do that. And I'm fine right. with that. But sure. if you get a minute from me and a minute from the lady in Toronto and another yeah. minute from some guy in Nashville, before you know it, you're doing fantastic. And you've, you've got all of the keys set to build an amazing career. Absolutely. And that's why those cassette tapes were so invaluable to me. And it's like you said, there were some things that I would think, okay, I don't think that fits my personality. And I don't know that I could do that. But there would be something, there would be a one minute and something on there that, that did and that was something that I could take and use. Uh -oh. And so, and I do appreciate you saying all that because I believe in it. That's why I started April. the podcast. I believe that we learn from other people. And I think it is so important to continue to learn. I think it's so important to be inspired and encouraged because no doubt everyone has their times of discouragement and somewhat defeat and just to, to listen to someone else that's had success. And, you know, I'll ask you this as a last question. Is there a time that was a kind of a, a discouragement, but you could have 
left the business, could have quit, you know, or just were sick of it. But, you know, is there a time like that? And then what did you do to kind of change um, your perspective? Yeah. So that happens multiple times. I mean, I used to kind of have a joke. If three bad things happen in one day, I'd take off the rest of the day. And I, and I did that. And it sounds stupid, but it worked for me because I'd be so discouraged. I'd be bummed out the rest of the day. But it really helps to have somebody around you. I've got a, you know, a wonderful wife and three kids. And uh, you know, that's, I'd, I'd look at it and say, that's what it's all about. And, you know, you'd use whatever you use to move on and plow through the next one. This the safety in numbers, they say, right? So just keep Absolutely. going to the next deal. Yes. Well, Rob, you've been a wealth of knowledge and information. And I know there's so much more that you could share and that we could talk about. But thank you so much for the time that you've given. And I just pray that you continue to have good health and that everything goes so well in this transition with your daughter-in-law and just many, many happy years to enjoy it. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And we'll definitely stay in touch. All right. Thank you, Rob. Wow. What an amazing interview. I am so thankful to Rob for being willing to give of his time. He shared so much wisdom and so much knowledge. He has some great experience for 32 years in the business and always appreciate him being willing to give of his time. Um, I just want to tell you, we have some really great upcoming episodes, a top team out of Colorado, we have another team from Canada and we you're going to love these people. So I want to tell you, I've had just recently a couple of people actually tell me no and that they were not willing to be a guest on uh, the podcast. So it makes me all the more appreciate those that are willing to say yes and to give of their time in this very busy real estate season uh, to be willing to give of their time and share their wisdom and knowledge encouragement, uh, their challenges to be vulnerable. So if you think about it, maybe send a note to some of these guests and tell them that you appreciate them. I know that they, uh, it would mean a lot to them. Can you believe that 2020 is really wrapping up and I know no one's going to be crying to say goodbye to 2020, but it's really time to start thinking about 2021, your goals, what you want the year to look like. And as an executive coach, that is one of the things that I do is work with people to plan and to set their goals and to have accountability. There's some really great things that I offer. Uh, One being mastermind groups. I haven't talked about that in a while. Just coming together a group of 10 to 12 on a Zoom call once a month for 90 minutes from people from around the country that are in the same field of career that you're in and to be able to share ideas, challenges, and to hold each other accountable. Those are $79 a month to be part of a mastermind group, which is really a bargain and probably the best $79 you would ever spend. So if that's something you're interested in, please reach out to me. I love bringing realtors together um, and just seeing them just grow from one another. The other thing is I love coaching people on their goals, and I do have a handful of uh, openings for coaching clients. If I get too much response from this, I also have some really great colleagues, but um, would love, I don't charge for a strategy session. So if you or and your team are working on look, you know, planning 2021, why don't you let me be part of that and see what it's like to work with a coach if you haven't ever worked for with a coach and knowing that all coaches are not created equal. So if that's something you're interested in, just reach out to me. My contact information, you can find me at Coach April Mac, and there is a K on the end of my name, like the Mac truck, uh, CoachAprilMac.com. 
um, April at the Conexus Group. My company is the Conexus Group that I coach with, and um, I would love to hear from you. Also, if you'll reach out to me and just give me a comment about the podcast, I'm going to choose one winner, and I will be giving away one of those books that Rob mentioned on the podcast if you, uh, it'll be your choice, whichever book that you'd like to have. And let me just give you those again really quick. He mentioned Life by Design with Tom Ferry. That is, um, we have all of this in our episode notes. So if you look at that, if you didn't catch it when uh, you were listening, but um, we've got the actual official title to that book, Life by Design in the notes um, by Tom Ferry, The One Thing by Gary Keller. I'm actually reading that book right now, and it's an excellent book, and it's just really neat to think about, um, kind of my synopsis really quick would be that we can't do more than one thing at a time. We can truly only focus on one thing at a time, and, uh, he kind of brings that, um, to a point, in one of the chapters. And so that's been kind of interesting to me, but I am in the process of reading that and also The Millionaire Real Estate Agent by Gary Keller. So if you'd like to win one of those books, send me a comment uh, to to my email, april at the Connexus Group, or you can find me at coachaprilmac.com. Send me a comment and I'll choose one of you to win one of those books. Um, You'll also find the interest group, uh, things about the realtor rule from uh, on the IRS website. We've got some of those links in the show notes and you can also get my contact information there. Listen, let's plan for 2021 to be a great a great year. Um, you know, think of something right now that's just awesome in your life. It'll release some endorphins. It'll encourage you. Um, take some time to pause and take some deep breaths because there is so much beauty all around you. And even in the midst of this crazy year of 2020, I challenge you to think of something beautiful and something that you can be thankful for and something that is awesome. Um, Later on in future episode, maybe I'll tell a little bit about my story and the last, uh, what the last few years have looked like in my life. My husband had cancer. He almost died last year. Uh, He's doing well now. But in the midst of that, I decided there was always something to be thankful for. And I was going to just keep my eyes uh, focused on that, as well as my faith. I am a person of faith, have a strong faith, and God definitely walked all of that journey with us. And so, like I said, maybe on a future episode, I will share a little bit more about that. But this um, is winding up. I thank you so much for just being a part. Please do me a favor subscribe and give us a review. Uh, Put a comment in there. I can use encouragement along the way as well. And so would really appreciate hearing some good feedback from you. Be blessed. Godspeed. And we'll see you in a couple weeks on the next episode.